0: There are no great men of God. There are only tiny, little, needy men of a great and merciful God. That's all that has ever existed. There's only one hero in this story. What I'm going to say, you need to take seriously. I need to take seriously. And there are men who do take it seriously. The Bible wasn't written as a plan for us to fail. It is something that we can accomplish in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, what rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify Him and enjoy Him? And the answer in that catechism is the Word of God, which is contained in scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. The Word of God is absolutely essential to the Christian life. Now, here's my question for you tally up in your mind how many hours this last week you spent in reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating upon the Word of God. Just because you're in a church that is trying to submit itself entirely to Scripture doesn't mean that you are. Do you see that? So the question is, as individuals, are we taking Scripture seriously? It is easier to have your life put in jeopardy for the preaching of the gospel, to do something extraordinary like that. It is easier than simply being obedient in the simple things of Christianity every day. I have no doubt that there are men and women here that if they were told to deny the Bible or die, they would die. What's difficult? is the daily routine, the being faithful day in and day out in the things that are considered simple. So, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me ask you a question. Have you been persecuted? Because if this radically depraved, morally corrupt sewer of a world never has a problem with you. You've got a problem. You've got a problem. So we live in a world that will persecute godly people. We live in a world where there is evil and evil men. There are imposters. They're not getting better. The world is not getting better. It's going from bad to worse. And they not only deceive, but they themselves are deceived. That's the kind of world we live in. If you are not set apart from that world in any way, if this kind of world doesn't see you as unusual, there's a real problem. This kind of world doesn't have a problem with you. Either you're not what you profess to be or you're being too quiet about it. But I have discovered that if a godly man doesn't even open his mouth, but walks in godliness, he will be persecuted. His relatives may call him a religious fanatic. His friends may turn away because he's no fun anymore. The people at the job will be angry because when they revel in a filthy joke, he walks away. I mean, does any of this look like you? Now, I want you to look at something. Who was Timothy's teacher? The Apostle Paul. Now, he learned from him. He learned directly from the Apostle Paul. And he became convinced of it, of what he learned. He was totally convinced. But then this is what's unusual. He says, continue in these things, continue in the things you have learned. We go to First Timothy, we see a lot of the same continue, continue. We also have examples of men who did not continue. You know, this is continue. This is the hard thing beginning is easy beginning is always easy it's continue 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 but this is where the idea of a faithful man a faithful woman a trustworthy man a trustworthy woman they just continue and that's what that's what he's telling Timothy to do because it's the hard thing to do i have said there are men that 2 years ago i would have filled the platform with now I will not. I do not believe they continued on. They got diverted. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Anytime in the church of Jesus Christ, you give anything preeminence, over the person of Christ and his redemptive work in the gospel, you have committed gross apostasy any you deviate. And so men who've departed from the simplicity of the gospel, how is the world to be healed? There's only one way. It's a cross where the Son of God died and rose again from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God and will reconcile all things in himself. That's it. How is a child converted? Through the scripture. And in this case, he's talking about Old Testament scripture that pointed him to the Messiah. Let me give you a statement. Everything that exists was made for Messiah. Everything for Messiah. He's absolutely everything. All the Old Testament points to him. It all points to him. It's all looking at him. Can you imagine that day? I mean, here's this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. That doesn't mean he was sinful or his body was corrupt, but they did it. He didn't come in a pre fall Adamic body like they like he appears in the movies. Or he's a head taller than everyone else and he's just the most handsome guy. That's not the way it happened at all. He was, he was run of the mill. I mean, he was, he was common. Can you imagine this carpenter stands in front of all the religious leaders of the day and said, that book that you would die for, That book that you study 10 hours a day, that book you've memorized, that book that represents everything our nation is about, every bit of it was written about me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And that's what he said. You search the scriptures, but all of it was written about me. That's why I love to appreciate the statement by Lorraine Butner, in which he says, Jesus is the only expected person. There's never been anyone in history. Never Julius Caesar wasn't expected. He wasn't. Churchill wasn't expected. No one. The whole book is expecting one person and it was fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. And to depart from that is ridiculous. Also, to have Sunday school for children that primarily paints pictures of Noah's Ark is ridiculous. And if that makes you mad, then repent and follow me on this. Do you know why Noah's Ark is important? Oh, because all the animals got saved. No, because it's a type of Christ. Everything's important because it points to Him. This book is about pointing everyone to Christ. But here's the amazing thing, you say, yes. You look at your six year old and say, "Okay, read verse Romans 1.1. What I'm trying to tell you is the Scriptures for your children. Don't keep the Scriptures from your children. And don't just give them little stories that have nothing to do with Jesus. Because all the stories have something to do with Jesus. Teach them the story of redemption every time you open your mouth and give them the scriptures. That's what catechisms are about. That's the way children were taught. Learn theology, learn doctrine, learn those verses The prove it to me. Catechism. Why did God made you? He made me for his own glory. Prove it. Give your children the scriptures. So here the scriptures are adequate to bring a child to Christ and the scriptures are adequate to train a man to be the most mature and capable expositor of the scriptures on the planet, almost three decades. And it has been sometimes 10 hours a day. And I can tell you this, that if you gave me 85 years and the greatest library in the world and only gave me John 3.16, I would not even scratch the surface of that verse. That's how profound it is. You will be in a, a thousand eternities in heaven. And at the end of that, you will not even have reached the foothills of understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then, if you want to train a man to be the greatest missionary or the greatest preacher, it's the very same book. That in itself shows you the power of this book. If you only could realize how much time you're wasting and how you're going to regret this later and how you should give yourself to this, things that are productive or oh son this relationship friendship you need to be careful with it it's dangerous oh son if you could only see through the eyes of your old father many of you've been in that place both fathers and mothers and why are you doing it that it may be well with them and with their sons forever you want so much for them and hopefully, when I'm saying this, you're not thinking about, yes, I want my son to be a professional. I want him to be a doctor. I want him to be a football player. I want my daughter to be this or that. Hopefully, you're not that trite. Hopefully, you're thinking, I want my son to be godly. I want my daughter to be godly. I want them to know the joy and the prosperity, of a sense of God's pleasure. If you're genuinely a Christian, and not everyone in the church is a Christian, What I mean in the visible, what you're looking at right now. In the true church, everyone is a Christian. There's no remnant theology. If you're (laughs) if you're really in the church, you're really a Christian. But in a local congregation, not everyone is Christian. The faith cannot exist apart from the word of God. Why do you believe something? You believe something because God has said it. And if God hasn't said it, you can't believe it. And if you do believe it, you're in presumption. Well, the Bible says, according to what's written here, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In what way? How can I have assurance of what I hope for? How can I have the conviction that something I've never seen exists only if God says it? If God says it and I do not react to it positively, that's unbelief. If God hasn't said it, and I believe it, that's presumption. And both of them are deadly. The, the Word of God is central to reverence. It's central to faith. Do you know what else it's central to? Love. You say, how is that? How do you make yourself love God more? You can't. Well, then we're doomed. No, we're not doomed. It's just we're not going to put our hope in you. When I married my wife, you should have seen her in all her glory. I love her more now. Now, when someone says that, what happens? Immediately, oh, what a great man. You know, you see some man who loves his wife, and what do you think about? You think about the man, oh, he's such a wonderful man, he loves his wife. Maybe he's not a wonderful man at all. Maybe he has a wonderful wife. My point is this, why do I love my wife more now than I did before? because I have seen over the decades more of her virtue, more of who she is. And it's her virtue, a greater revelation of her virtue that does something to me, draws out my affections. So if you want to love God more, what do you do? You go look for more of God. And if, you're, if your heart is unregenerate, you're lost and just a church member, the more you see of God, the more you'll hate Him. Guarantee it. But if your heart has been changed, you're regenerate, you're a Christian, the more you see of God, His beauty, His splendor, His faithfulness, His power, His love, the more you see of it, the more He will draw that beauty of God will draw out your affections. Do you know why there are some people who are able to die the most horrific deaths in the name of Christ? Do you know why there are people who are able to apart, depart from their family and not return for 40 years, serving in the worst hell hole on the planet? Do you know why? It's not that they're better for, than you. We all come from the same stock of Adam. Then what is it? They've just seen more of Christ than you have. Paul says it is the love of Christ that constrains us. And we're so humanistic, we always think it's Paul's love for Christ that pushed him on and constrained him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying Christ's love for me pushes me on. Do you see the difference? Because if you see someone loving God, it's just because their affections have been drawn out. So it wasn't self-generated. No, it has nothing to do with any goodness in a human being. It has nothing to do with any of that. It all began with Christ. Do you know that the job of of the elder? He's a miner who mines. He goes into places no one else goes. He stays there a long time. He swings precariously over texts, trying to figure out what's there to look for gems when wisdom is what truly ought to be sought after. But in a sense, the elder goes into his study. And you know the only thing he's really trying to do? He's not there for himself even. He's there for the Bride of Christ. And he's there looking for... whoa, oh, that's beautiful about Christ. Oh, and that one is beautiful about... I can't wait to present this on Sunday. This, this beautiful... Mag- They've never seen this before. It's showing them Christ. It's showing them Christ. So how do we grow in the fear of the Lord reverence for him? How do we grow in love? How do we grow in faith? There's one way seeing more of him, seeing more of him, seeing more of him. When COVID and all this started happening, it seemed like the world was falling apart. Everybody needed an answer. Everybody needed an answer. Everyone needed to know what was God doing? What was God doing? That is idolatry and that's an attempt to hold God hostage when your attitude is that way and it demonstrates immaturity. Because basically, what you're saying is, I will not have peace, God, until you tell me what's going on. That's idolatry. The mature response of the Christian is, God, I don't need to know what's going on because I know who you are. And I know you're sovereign and whatever you're doing is right, even if it leads to my death. It's not those who know what God's doing who will be strong in the book of Daniel. It's those who know their God who will be strong in the book of Daniel. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. One of the ways, the way, the great way that we're able to move towards attainment of what we see one of the ways that we can see the exclusivity of God, the uniqueness of God and love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength is through his revealed words, which I am commanding you today. The way we're able to know him and to love him and to believe him is only through his word, dear brothers and sisters. And this is the words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Don't deceive yourself. It's very easy, I know. Believe me, how easy it is to be self-deceived. When I say these words shall be on your heart, you're going, yes, yes, yes. Okay, how often are these words on your heart? Let's say you're awake for 16 hours a day. Where are these words? Where are they? Why are we losing our children and teenagers and our college students and everything? Eight hours a day, five days a week, where they are totally being bombarded with anti-Christian propaganda that goes against everything the Bible teaches. That's 40 hours a week. Afterwards, they come home and most of them get on the internet at least a couple hours and television. So let's, let's just bump that up to, to 12 hours now a day and on weekends in which they're being bombarded with anti-Christian ungodly formation. And then they're surrounded in their schools by other children who are given to the same things. And then on Sunday, you have them paint a picture of Noah's Ark with crayons. Really? You think there's a mystery? Why why we're losing our children? Come on, I mean, think about it. It's not a mystery. How much time do they see their father studying the Word of God? How much time do they hear their father speak about the Word of God? How many times do they see their mother and father talking about the Word of God? Here's what I want you to see, brethren. I am one of you. I say this to myself that I need to spend more time with my wife in the scriptures and prayer. And I need to spend more time with my children in the scriptures. And I need to exemplify the scriptures in a greater way, especially with her mother. See, this is us. This is me and you. Women, it's the same way. Yes, there are different roles in the family and there's different roles in the church. But you know what? Men and women grow the same way through an in-depth study of Scripture to know God. Women need the same doctrine, the same theology, the same everything to grow as men do. Are you teaching your wife? Wife, are you teachable? Are you pouring into your children, both of you? Are you realizing that life is short and eternity is long? Are you also repenting? When you sin against your child, you're impatient. Don't try to fix that by just being nicer next time. That's not biblical. You go to your child and you say, I need to tell you something. I sinned against you. Please forgive me. And what's she going to say? Oh, Daddy, that's all right. That's where you really have to now go into teacher mode. And you say this, no daughter, it wasn't right, it was sin and I really need you to forgive me. I really need you to release me and say, dad, you sinned against me, you were impatient, but I forgive you and I love you. Wouldn't you do that if it was a brother and you want him not to say, oh, that's all right. When you want Him to say yes, you've sinned against me. I love you. I forgive you. The little things are the big things. The hard part is living every day. Like right now, it's so easy for me to appear godly. But with the people that are closest to me, that's the test. And so often I fail. And I have to say, forgive me. That's what it means to be in a biblical church, because you're the church. Father, thank you for this day. Please bless your people. Bless your good people, Lord. Help them. In Jesus' name.